depressed. He's discouraged. Now, I want us to look at our focal passage. Let's look. Let's, we're in Acts 23. Let's look at verses 1 through 5. Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall, for you sit to judge me according to the law, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? Now let's pause there just for a second, because there's a couple of things going on here. One is, what does he mean whitewashed wall? That seems like a strange insult, right? What is a whitewashed wall? We see it two times in Scripture. The first time, Jesus used it. Jesus used this. He actually said it this way. He says, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, you are nothing more than whitewashed tombs. Whitewashed tombs. What was he saying there? Jesus was telling the Pharisees, which, by the way, Paul was a Pharisee. Paul was likely in the crowd when Jesus said this. Paul was probably one that it cut to the heart when Jesus called him a whitewashed tomb. So what is a whitewashed tomb? Well, a tomb is where you put what? You know, that's where you put dead people, dead bodies. It's where the bones are. It's where the, 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 the dead body. What is a whitewashed tomb? Well, on the outside, it looks good. It looks nice. Jesus was saying, you're a hypocrite. On the outside, you look like you're whitewashed. You look like everything is good. But on the inside, you're nothing but dead bones. On the inside, you are nothing. Now, Paul uses a different term. He doesn't use tombs. He says, you're a whitewashed wall. What's he saying there? What's he getting at? What's, I think he's using the similar concept, the same thing that Jesus was saying to the, to the Pharisees. And now he's saying this. Have you ever heard someone say uh, about an object? They'll say, you know what? Hey, just put a brand new coat of paint on it. It'll look what? It'll look good as new, right? It just needs a good coat of paint. It'll look fantastic. That's your, that's your salesman on Marketplace on Facebook. Hey, just put a good coat of paint on it. It'll look, it'll look great. What's he saying? Don't worry about all the nicks and dings and the, the beat up, the dirt and all. Just put a coat of paint on it and cover it up and nobody will know. And Paul is saying, that's what you're like. You just got a coat of paint on you. You have a coat of paint, and on the outside, everybody thinks you look good because you're, you know, you're a Pharisee, and everybody thinks everything's fine, but I know what's underneath that coat. I know what's underneath that whitewashed wall. It's dings and dents and nothing but dirt, and you put a coat of paint on it. What an insult. I mean, that's what he's saying to Ananias. And then, you know, because he's like, you know, God will strike you. Don't, you know, strike me? God's going to strike you, whitewashed wall. And then listen to what it says. Then those who stood by said, do you revile God's high priest? And then when Paul heard that, he was like, what? What are you talking about? He says, look, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it's written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Immediately, Paul was, Paul knew the word. Paul was a Pharisee at one point. Paul was somebody who studied the scriptures extremely well, and he knew that he was not supposed to speak evil of someone who was a leader of his. He didn't know, he knew Ananias. 
They had known each other. They hung out with each other because they were both Pharisees. But he didn't know that in that 30-year span, Ananias had become high priest. So in this situation where he thought that he was just saying something to someone that he knew from 30 years ago, you whitewashed wall, he actually said it to the high priest. So what do you think someone who is already dealing with discouragement does? Ah, oh, there, I went and did it again. Man. And then he's backpedaling. He's like, I, don't, I, I didn't know, brothers. I didn't know that he was a high priest. I know the scriptures. I know the scriptures say that you're not supposed to speak evil of a ruler of your people. By the way, that's a lesson for us, isn't it? Hmm. It's hard. It's hard. You know? You think about all the division in the world today and in, the, in, our, in our nation, and we're so quick to speak evil of others that we may not like. But then he didn't know. He didn't know that Ananias had become the high priest. He insults him to his face and in front of the crowd. Keep in mind, that is not going to build bridges, is it? It's not going to build bridges. So Paul's like, I, I didn't know. that. Just, it doesn't seem like the bold Paul that we have been reading about, does it? All, for him to just all of a sudden, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. And then I want you to notice what he does. Look at verse 6 through 10. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am being judged. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For Sadducees say that there is no resurrection. In other words, they don't believe in life after death, nor do they believe in angels or the Spirit. But the Pharisees confess both. The Pharisees believe that there is life after death. They do believe in a resurrection. They do believe in angels. They do believe that we are of, of Spirit. Then those arose, then there arose a loud outcry. And the scribes of the Pharisees' party arose and protested, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. Now, when there arose a great decision, the commander, keep in mind this is the commander of the garrison, this is the Roman government, fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the barracks. So, what's happened again? Roman government steps in again, gets Paul out of the situation, rescues him from that situation, and whew, is, is it just like uh, in those moments where you feel discouraged that you, that you, you do? You, at this moment, you would start second-guessing everything. You're going, oh. I just, I just, I just wanted to share the gospel with them. I just wanted to see them come to know the Lord and know the peace of Christ and know the comfort that comes through him. And here's what I want you to notice is we're going to spend the rest of our time, and we've got three points, and we're going to consider three things that the Lord does when we're discouraged. So what do we do? What, is, what does the Lord do? 
when we're at that point, when we're at the lowest of lows, when we're just at a point of just exhaustion and we're ready to give up. Key point number one is this. When you're feeling discouraged, know that the Lord stands beside you with words of encouragement. Let me say it again. When you're feeling discouraged, know that the Lord stands beside you with words of encouragement. Let's look at our verse, verse 11. But the following night, the Lord stood by him, stood by Paul, and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Now, there's a lot there, and that's where we're going to spend our time and unpack it, because this is so important for us to get. I want you to notice when Jesus, Jesus appears to Paul here, stood by him, stood by Paul, and he says, Be of good cheer, Paul. Jesus could have said some other things to him, but it's not the type of Jesus that we serve. Jesus could have scolded him, right? I mean, that, that's sometimes how people respond. He could have, Jesus didn't, didn't scold him, but he could have said something like this. Paul, what is wrong with you? Paul, what in the world were you thinking to tell them that you are working with the Gentiles now? You know good and well that that was not going to go over well with that crowd. That's just, what were you thinking? They were all upset because they just thought you brought somebody into the temple that was a Gentile. Now you're going to tell them that your whole mission is to reach the Gentiles? What were you thinking? And Jesus could just have scolded him over that. That's not the Jesus that we serve. Jesus encourages him. Be of good cheer. Jesus doesn't do the old, uh, I told you so. You know, sometimes we get that one, right? It's the, I told you so. You should have left Jerusalem when I told you to. You shouldn't have, in fact, you shouldn't have gone there. You should have just gone on where I told you to go on. But no, you had to head to Jerusalem. You were convinced that they would listen to your testimony. I told you so. I told you so. Listen, Jesus is not an I told you so type of guy. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is not an I told you so. Jesus is not a what's wrong with you. Listen, if you're discouraged and you start hearing the I told you so and you're discouraged and you start hearing the those even if you're even if you're saying it to yourself, even if you're even if you're convincing yourself of those things and you start saying to yourself, oh, what's wrong with me? Why would I have done that? Listen, that's not of the that's not of the Lord. The Lord doesn't say what's wrong with you. The Lord doesn't say I told you so. The Lord says be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Sometimes in our discouragement, we feel so isolated. We feel like nobody else is around. Nobody understands. It's just we're, we feel like we're alone. But the Lord is where? Look at it again. Look, it says, it says but the following night, the Lord stood by him. He was right next to him. He was right there in the room. He was with him in that moment of being so low, so depressed, so discouraged by all the things he's been beaten to a pulp. He is just so discouraged of all the things that's gone wrong. And now he's in chains again. And Jesus is standing there with him. You know, sometimes in our discouragement, when we feel isolated, we need to remember that Jesus is right there with us. We're not isolated. And I think the first thing that Jesus would say to you 
when you're feeling discouraged is, hey, I'm right here. Be of good cheer. I'm right here with you. I'm right here with you. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Now, why, why do I say that? And this is, by the way, this is how we can be certain of Paul's discouragement. How do we know for certain that he was discouraged? Because Jesus told him to cheer up. He said, be of good cheer. Jesus knew what, he, what his emotions were. Jesus knew what struggles he was dealing with. Jesus knew that he was feeling discouraged. That's why Jesus said the exact words he needed to hear. Listen, don't be discouraged. Be of good cheer. It's okay. I'm here with you. We're going we're gonna to get through this together. And why do I think that Jesus would say that same thing to you? I mean, clearly he said it to Paul. Well, why would, I, why would I think that Jesus would say it to you and to me? Well, consider this. Do you remember in Scripture where some friends had a, another friend that couldn't walk? And they said, we've got to get our friend to Jesus. And they put that friend on a mat, and they were like, oh, it's too crowded. We can't get into the house. What are we going to do? Hey, let's take the stairs up on the side of the house. Let's get up onto the flat roof. We'll cut a hole where we think Jesus is standing, and we'll lower him. And, and what did they do? Did that very thing. Jesus is teaching. All of a sudden, some stuff starts falling down on his head, and he looks up. And then, lo and behold, they lower this guy right in front of him. You know what Jesus said to him? Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Be of good cheer. Jesus seems to know when to say that to us. He, needs, he seems to know exactly when we need to hear the words, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Do you remember when the disciples were out on a boat and the disciples were hanging out and it was getting late, it was getting dark, and then they were like, hey, do you guys see something walking out there? And then they were like, what? And then they were like, it's a ghost. And they were all freaked out, you know, like, what's going on? And then, and then they were like, what, you know, what? And then Jesus yelled out to them, be of good cheer. It is I. Jesus has a way of knowing when to yell out and when to say, hey, don't worry. Be of good cheer. I know you're scared. I know you're, I know you're discouraged. I know you're dealing with that. Hey, be of good cheer. It's me. I am what? Standing right here with you. I'm coming here with you. You remember when Jesus was so persecuted and the disciples were like, oh, man, this is so discouraging. We're just dealing with constant persecution over and over and over and over. What, is it, what do you think Jesus said to them? He said, this is what he said. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have all sorts of persecution. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. When we feel discouraged, what is the first thing that comes out of Jesus' mouth? Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I'm here with you. It is I. I'm standing right next to you. I've overcome the world. All of those things, all of those things are applicable. When we are at our lowest of lows, Jesus just steps in and says, Hey, I'm here. You're not isolated. You're not by yourself. I know you think you are, but I want you to know I'm right here with you. Be of good cheer because we're going to get through this together. Be of good cheer. Oh, I want, you to, I want you to know when you feel discouraged, Jesus is right there with you. 